I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, one and all, and welcome to Book Off, the literary podcast with a difference. And whether you're listening for the first time or you're a regular, it's great to have you with us. I'm Joe Haddo, and I'm joined today by two incredibly exciting new voices in fiction, whose books are the talk of the town already this year. My first guest was named one of the most influential Nigerian writers under 40, and won a fierce five-way publisher battle for her debut novel, The Girl with the Louding Voice, which comes out in March. Abby Dare, welcome to Book Off. Thank you. Thank Lovely you for to see me. you. And joining her on our lovely plush sofa seat is an author who worked in publishing in the US for 10 years, is the author of two novels and a memoir, and has just published her third novel, American Dirt. Janine Cummins, hello to you. Hello, thank you for having me. It's so great to see you both, and um, so lovely of you, Janine, to come straight off a plane and join us. (laughs) You must be knackered. Just a little. The coffee's going to help, I'm sure. Uh, Good. Well, you've got coffee and sugar, and who knows, it's nine in the morning or it's ten at night, you know, whatever. We'll get through this, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, I want to talk about both of your novels, which are absolutely amazing. I also want to find out the books that you're going to put in the book off later. This Mm -hmm. is where each of you gets three minutes to pitch us a book that you love and uh, why we should all read it. So I'll get to that soon. If I could start with you, Abby, and talk about um, The Girl with the Louding Voice, because this is your debut novel. It is. And it received loads of attention already two years ago in 2018 um, because it won the Bath Literary Award, is that yes, right? Yes, the Bath Novel Award. The Bath Novel Award, which yes. is for unpublished, unpublished writers. undiscovered writers, yes. So tell us about the journey between then and now. It's been so amazing because obviously I did not expect to win the Vath Award. I went in because I was at the point with my writing where I thought, this is it. Like, if nothing happens with this, I'm just going to go home and sell shoes or something. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, I went into that, won that and obviously met my agent. We worked on the manuscript for a bit and sent it out. And it was acquired by my amazing publishers. And it's just been great so far um, on the journey. People forget often that by the time a book has come out, there's mm-hmm. been so much happening to the author yeah. and, you know, with that book before it gets into the hands of those readers. So are you excited to finally share it with the world? I'm excited and there's a bit of me that is <laughs> anxious and there's a bit of trepidation and I'm like, oh, hope everyone loves it. Yeah. Um, but I'm very excited to, to share the book and Adini, the main character with the world. 
it's a good it's it's a nice place to be I it think, is. on the precipice of publishing it is <laughs> um, and we'll we'll come and talk about that book very shortly janine um american dirt is a novel that a lot of people have been talking about for a while now how long have you actually been working on it Oh, since 2013. Wow. Yeah, it was five years of research before I even started submitting the book. So it's funny because everyone talks about it as being such a timely novel, the topic being immigration um, in the Americas. And I started researching this book well before any talk of building the wall entered our national conversation Mm -hmm. and um, really had no idea what I was going to be coming up against subject matter wise when I started the work on this book but I guess it is timely now yeah and so this is sort of seven years later then right yes it was about five years of research I went to Mexico I went traveled all through the borderlands Uh, I did a whole lot of reading and a whole lot of um, writing failed drafts for a couple of years. And then um, really when I started, when I when I nailed down the narrative arc of this, what became the final draft of American Dirt was 2017. So I wrote the whole book in about 10 months. Wow. After after four years of seeping and research. Yeah, yeah. so much you you were full with with stuff and had to pour it all out i guess yeah but maybe that's in some way that's that's a a way to do it is you you consume you consume you consume and think and think Mm -hmm. and think and then there comes the time where it's just go you just have to i think yeah to be sure that's how it works in my process a lot and it's funny because people you know writers will ask about your process yeah as if it's like a neat and tidy (laughs) (laughs) and i'm like oh yeah i wish i had some some great story about how it Mm. sort of organically you know evolved and meanwhile i'm like oh well i wrote two complete (laughs) failed drafts of this novel threw them away started over yeah um so yeah i wish there was an easier more direct way to do it but i do think that when you're writing a novel that is research intensive Mm. It, the the research also doesn't just show up on the page the way you consumed it. It sort of, I think, infiltrates the writing a bit. Hmm. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but it it doesn't. It's not a direct like consume and regurgitate. It just somehow paints. It colors the story that comes into your mind that eventually finds its Absolutely. way onto the page. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Back to you, if I may, Abby, because you grew up in Nigeria. Yes, and. Almost every household then had a housemate, yes. didn't they? So was it was it thinking back to your time there that inspired this story? It, it well, well, kind of. So mm. it was that had always been part of my life. So it was like the norm. It's, it's like you getting on the underground. It's nothing. Um, so everyone had a maid. Well, most families did, and I sort of grew up in a middle class family where everyone's reasonably comfortable and so we had maids and many of them were young girls Mm. um, under the age of 18 and so I came to the UK you know was living here and I had my daughters and my first child is is 10 now but when she was eight um, or seven and a half or eight I remember um, asking her to do a few things around the house a chore some chores Mm. and she moaned and groaned and said no I can't do that blah blah and I and I made a statement and I just said, look, there are girls like you who are in Nigeria right now working for families like ours. And she that sort of stopped her in her tracks. And she said, really? Like, she'd never heard it before. And I thought, well, you have grown up as my child. And I've never said that, told you this. And so I explained that to her. But when I went to bed that night, I really began to feel kind of guilty. Hmm. Because I'm thinking, this was my life 
for many years. And I have a daughter now who, because of where she's born, um, she's not been exposed to that kind of life. But there are people like her that are working for families like mine. And so I started to do some research, realized that it was still happening. There were loads of articles on the internet. And I thought I have to give this a voice. Mm. She has to be heard, yeah. whoever she is. And there came my main character and that inspired the book. Because it's your story is set in yes. Nigeria and it centers around a 14 year old yes. uh, called Aduni. Yes. So tell us about her and, and how you took that inspiration of thinking about housemaids and and put it on the page so um so she's she's a character that i love and i grew to love in the journey of writing her and and i always say that i miss her now now that i'm moving on to another book (laughs) i'm like oh i miss her her voice and her spirit because she's spirited she's a dreamer she's she's she faces a lot of obstacles that even i could not imagine facing and she she runs with it with such bravery and she's so optimistic and there's so much hope in her and she believes in the good of people and even though she meets a lot of people who are not great to her who are horrible to her she doesn't give that back and I think it was important for me to have that because of to have her as this character who's loving and kind because everything that happens to her could be quite heavy and I wanted a story that could show her great sides yeah so, yes, and she became really real to me in the journey. And sometimes I, I expect her to walk into my home and say, oh, can we have dinner tonight? But, yeah, it's been great. Do you miss characters sometimes, Janine, when, when the book is done? Sure. I mean, I think I have that experience more often with other writers' characters mm. than my own. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yes, I think... I, I haven't had the opportunity to miss Lydia and Luca yet because they're with <laughs> no, me. No, well, it's very, <laughs> very present. But tell us about um, their story, Lydia and her son, Luca. So Lydia is a middle-class middle uh, bookseller living in Acapulco, Mexico mm. with her husband. She has a good marriage and they have this beautiful boy, eight-year-old Luca, and they have a great life. You know, they have the sort of life that I think most of my readers will recognize mm. And as being quite familiar to them. And then in an, in one day, in an act of unthinkable violence, um, Lydia loses everything and everyone she loves in the world except for Luca, uh, which is unfortunately a story that is not unheard of in Mexico today, um, given the the violence of the cartel warfare that's happening there. And she finds herself automatically, immediately thrown into a life that she never dreamed of. She becomes a migrant and Mm. just overnight she becomes a person for whom human rights are really inconsequential. Mm. She becomes sort of one of the invisible ones. Mm. Um, She falls out of her middle class Mm -hmm. comfort and into a life where she's just on the run for her very existence and trying to save her boy. So... The book follows their journey, Lydia and her son Luca's journey, all throughout Mexico as they attempt to reach the relative security of the United States. Quite early on in the book, I remember reading um, that you wrote about the police and how many of the people in the police are connected to the cartel. Mm -hmm. And that must be obviously based on on truth and on your research, Mm -hmm. which I just find quite It's harrowing. It's really harrowing because and quite often, actually, the the police officers who are involved don't have any choice. Mm. 
you know? Mm. So that was another thing I wanted to articulate in the book was that they're not all necessarily bad people. They're people who are not given the option of saying no to the cartel. Yeah. You can take this extra money each Mm -hmm. week and just make a phone call Mm -hmm. when you see X, Y, and Z, Mm. and we will let your family live. Or you can have your pride and turn our money down and Mm -hmm. you're all going to die. So (laughs) it's like, you know, it's it's not as black and white as figuring out who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. I There were so many moments in my research that, lingered and stayed with me and returned to me throughout the writing of the book. But one of them was I hired a like a guide to to walk me around Tijuana when I was there and just show me, you know, parts of the city that tourists wouldn't ordinarily see. Mm-hmm. And he walked around with me and, and we'd spent the whole day together talking. And at one point I said to him, what do you think is the biggest problem facing Mexico today? And I fully expected that his answer would be, violence and instead his answer was impunity Mm. yeah and it it just that stuck with me because i realized it's not i mean the violence is a problem everywhere but when we have violence in the united states or when you have violence in the united kingdom Mm. there is a price to pay Mm -hmm. for that violence Mm -hmm. but in mexico you can kill anyone you want and get away with it It you can murder a priest or a politician or a child a governor, a mayor, a journalist, and the the unsolved murder rate is something like ninety six percent. That's horrendous. Yeah, it's just amazing, isn't it? It's like you can't quite. I know. <laughs> sat here in our I know lovely studio in I know. London, yeah. you yeah. can't quite compute that. Mm. Really. Yeah, no, it's pretty. Um, it's pretty awful. And I I did have some interactions with law enforcement myself while mm. I was there. Very limited, but I, I had to pay the mordidas. I, mm. you know, um, and it's scary because you realize that, that they have complete control in the situation when you run up against them. If they decide to go ahead and put you in a holding cell for a few days or a couple of weeks, there is no getting out of there. There's no, like, I'm going to call my lawyer and mm. how dare you. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know. There are obviously people in Mexico who can't have the voice. You know, they can't have a voice. They have to, like you say, be at will to the cartel, perhaps, mm-hmm. or just it's better to keep quiet and stay safe. Mm-hmm. And thinking about your book, Abby, um, you know, Aduni is told in the novel that she is nothing. Yeah. But she's determined to find her voice, mm-hmm. and I just wondered—I just wondered if do you think that this book speaks to many people, not just in her sort of, sort of situation, but people in their own way who are being silenced? Absolutely, and the book is not—I mean, it is about Adini, but there are also women in the book. Where obviously patriarchy is huge in Nigeria, mm. a lot of women are silenced in different ways. And so while Adjini has her voice for girls like her, there are other women in the book who are struggling to be heard for various reasons. The right to to not be blamed if there's a problem in childbirth and in the marriage, the right to 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 work and, you know, to enjoy life. All, all these little little things are um I think for many women a problem and a struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a it's a book of voices for different women. And one that you hope resonates with with all your readers, if, Abs- if indeed. Absolutely. Absolutely. I hope, Whether I they're hope facing so. something like that or not, yes, I guess. Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, I did. I mean, reading it, writing it, there were points where I'm like, oh, this is me. 
mm. um, parts of you. Oh, this is my story. This is my mother's story. My mother's friend's story. Yeah. It's quite nice to to see that and to resonate with that. Yeah. And Janine, you, as I said, worked in publishing for, for quite a while over in New York, didn't yes, you? Ten years. Ten years. Yes, yes. Ten great years. Yeah, it was ten great years. And I know you've already published books before American Dirt, but how, how is it for you now that you are on the other side and very much an author? Yeah, well, it's very different this time. It feels like a debut in some ways. Um, just the the response to this book has been so crazy and overwhelming and because it's different from your previous work do you think i mean yes but not so much so that i expected anything (laughs) anything like this um i mean topically it's it's different but i all you know all my books have a similar engine of of anger really Mm. of they're all about social justice Mm. issues um in different ways in different settings uh, so, you know, I don't know. I think it was just the timeliness of this issue that 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 people responded to in some ways. Yeah. I'm not sure. But, but it is, I think my background in publishing has made me more appreciative of just how rare mm. this kind of response is yeah. for a book. I think d- had I not had that experience in publishing, I might be sort of like, well, this is how it works. <laughs> this is how <laughs> it is, <yeah. laughs> you know, but Really complacent about yeah, it. Yeah, but instead I'm like, oh, mm. this is pretty crazy mm. that Ann Patchett and Stephen mm. King and mm. Don Winslow and all, you know, all this crazy stuff has happened. Is it strange seeing, you know, a quote from... Stephen King or Anne Patchett, these writers that you've probably loved for years yes. and read their work and then suddenly... Strange, surreal, out-of-body experience. <laughs> I, you know, I was standing at my kitchen counter cooking dinner with my kids when I got an email directly from Stephen King. <laughs> oh, wow. And they both freaked out and they were jumping around the kitchen together. And then, you know, that lasted like 30 seconds and then they were like, uh, Mommy, we're hungry. So <laughs> yeah, right. Where's <laughs> the food? Keep me back down to earth. But, um, but yeah, it's been really thrilling to see that kind oh, of stuff amazing. come in. Yeah, I, I, it, I will never get tired of it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and, and for both of you, really, because, Abby, you know, we're, we're probably a month or so away from it being published on the 5th of March of your book, and already, you know, we've had people talking about it and it's garnering so much attention. You know, does that... I think we touched on it earlier when you said, you know, you are excited and nervous, but does it does it make you even more nervous because of the fact that so many people yeah, are talking so about it? it? I mean, I have to pinch, literally pinch myself sometimes <laughs> that this is happening, that this is real, because obviously when I was writing, I did not expect it to go anywhere. Like, I, you know, it's my, it's my debut and I did not expect, I did not expect the kind of reception I've had on the book so far. And it's it's just been amazing i'm so grateful for for everything mm. it's it's so great. well deserved it i have you. to say <laughs> i'm i'm about 80 pages from finishing it oh. it's just so beautiful and what i really love about aduni the the character is that she's just so full of hope she lives like sort of a bleak existence <laughs> at times like she but she never gives up and she keeps struggling to get yeah. to the next level to to get herself out of danger to get herself to safety mm. she never loses her faith in humanity, despite all the reasons that she has to do so, and her humanity just like sort of th- you know just throbs from the page. That is so amazing hearing that from you because I'm reading her book right now, and it's not just because you said that, but and 
it's it's one of the books where I can't leave anywhere. I've take, I'm taking it everywhere with me because it's so great. It's in my bag and it came with me. So thank you for that. Yeah. And yeah, your book, book is great. Thank so. you. It's so lovely that you're reading each other's work as yes. well. And can I just say how beautiful the books are, both of them. I mean, yes. they are really quite stunning yes. jackets, aren't they? Yes. We're very lucky writers. I know. Right now. I know. <laughs> we are. Like it's... Yeah, they're And we're be- not just saying that because the publisher's next door. <laughs> no, you are, you they are, are very beautifully lucky, right? packaged. I am super, super happy with my cover. And I just, um, I'm reading, I'm reading um, Abby's book in electronic copy. So I hadn't seen the, the this gorgeous the, yes, know, cover until about a minute ago. And oh. I'm just drooling over it. Is lovely. It's like the fabric is the cover. And these are actual, like we actually, my publishers actually took pictures of real we went fabric shopping and they took you? pictures of this. And wow. So, nice. so these are real clothes. Gorgeous. Well, Janine, you're reading cool it, as you say, electronically, so you can get yourself one of those and not no, have to will. ruin it by reading I it. You can know. just like have that as a, That's we will make a shelf great piece. Idea. We will make sure you get it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> now, I say that nicely. <laughs> we'll make sure you get one. Yes. We'll make sure. uh, now, as you know, here on Book Off, we, we take time to get to know books that each of you love and that you think we should all read and you get three minutes each on the clock bit of fun you know, we don't take it too <laughs> no seriously pressure. no pressure <laughs> uh, because we love to hear recommendations from authors that's what there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss that's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on linkedin you'll miss out on great candidates like sandra start hiring professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com people today Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We love. Uh, so it's time for the book off now. And before we find out who goes first is second, who's uh, doing what, let's find out what books we're putting in. So Janine, which book would you like to put okay. up? Okay. Well, first I just want to say I'm at a distinct disadvantage because not only because of the jet lag, but also because your accents sound like <laughs> that and mine sounds like this. We, we She's getting brownie worry. points in here, right? Anyway, She's trying to, you know. Um, but yes, I am going to talk about a book that I really love that's coming out in April. It's it's a debut novel as well. It's called Valentine. 
by an American writer named Elizabeth Wetmore. And it's br- it's not even out yet? No. Wow. Oh, okay, so this is, is brand new. Yeah. Brand, brand new. Okay. And Abby, what book are you putting forward? So it's a book that um, I love, uh, out of many books I love, but this one was quite important for me, or is quite important for me, because it told me that I could write a story yeah. about... Nigerian women in Nigeria and just get it read by people and it's also a story of a fight of, for women as well it's called A Thousand Splendid Sons by the amazing Khalid Hosseini yeah amazing so it's, book oh, it's, it is wonderful isn't uh, it? absolutely brilliant right so we need to decide who goes first and who goes second so as you are jet lagged <laughs> you get to decide if you'd like to go first or second oh I, I think I'll go second then okay <laughs> which means Abba you get to decide whether you'd like to be rung out with the bell or honked out with the horn <laughs> the horn Okay, I'm going to put three minutes on the oh clock then. Oh my gosh, that is terrifying. Now listen, okay. you don't have to use all three. All right, okay. no, I don't think I will there use all three. And if you don't use all three, that's fine. But um, when we hit the three-minute mark, yeah. I'm going to be honking you. Out, okay. okay. So it's over to you then to tell us about A Thousand Splendid Sons. So it's a story about two women, um, and a lot more, but it's really about two women, Miriam and Lila. And um, Miriam was only 15 when she was sent to Kabul which is a city in Afghanistan, to, to get married to a man called Rashid. And the story sort of tells us of their struggles, of Miriam and Lila's struggles over three decades of um, of sort of political domination by the Taliban. Mm. And it sort of opened my eyes to to see another culture, another world, apart from what I've been used to, apart from Nigeria or the UK. And what I really love about the book is that even though the political situation serves as the backdrop to to the story, the, the author, Khalid, does not preach this. So you, you're learning a history lesson without feeling like you're actually in class. Oh, and it's great research. And I cried a lot of times reading this book because it was a story of resilience, story of friendship. It was, um, or it is a story that sort of weaves its threads and develops a narrative over generations. And it's empowering and tragic. And I just think the author did a majestic job at telling this story. What I also love about it and what resonated with me was a sense of place. So I could see the mountains of, of Afghanistan. I could sort of see the rivers and the women and the kids playing on the streets. And I think it really helped me when I was writing my book as well, because I thought if it could be completely open and honest about the beauty that we don't see on TV mm-hmm. of his country. And even though all these horrible things are happening, the landscape is so pure and so amazing. Mm-hmm. And also, so that's there. And also the fact that these two women who through the various struggles, come together and there's this rare friendship formed. Two different backgrounds, again, resonated with me when I was writing my book because two different women from two different backgrounds, well, one's a girl, came together. And, you know, I think everyone out there who's not read it, it was a very popular book, but anyone who's not read it needs to pick this up right this minute, Mm. read it and just rave about it. It is the best book ever. Wow. Okay. Fantastic! What a great pitch! Wow, and you had you had lots of time to spare as you thought yeah, you I might, know, but yes. you didn't need it. You didn't need great, it. Great, great, great! Fantastic, Abby. We'll we'll talk a little bit more about a thousand splendid suns in a mo, but you mm-hmm. get to have some water and breathe a bit. Now. Thank you. God, I wish I had notes. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be fine. Um, three minutes back on the clock, then Janine, and you're going to tell us about Valentine. I will pre-order it. Actually, you're going to tell us <laughs> about to. Valentine. Okay, so. Valentine. So the I was very brave actually in choosing this book because when I really love a book, I become t- 
totally inarticulate about it. And mm-hmm. every time I've talked about this book, I'm like, it's just real good. You should just <laughs> buy it. And it's so good that I'm sort of overwhelmed and I don't even know how to speak about it. But okay. It is the story of um, a, it's set in West Texas. It is the story of an act of violence that happens on page one. And how the women in this landscape respond to this act of violence. So it's sort of a revolving cast of characters, revolving narrators, and you get to see how each of these women respond to this horrible experience within the very narrow parameters of how they are expected to live their lives. So it's it's set in West Texas during like an oil and natural gas boom in the 1960s. So it's pre-feminism, really. Mm. And, you know, I grew up in a generation in the United States mm-hmm. where feminism was almost like a dirty word. Yes. And we're just, yes. my generation of women is is just beginning to reclaim that word. Yeah, it's like, I can still relate to that. you know, there's yeah. nothing radical about the idea that like women are people yeah. and yeah. <laughs> we should make the same money that men make for doing the same work, etc. And that we should be free to, to control our own lives and our own destinies there's something so subversive about the way this story is told because it is just a page turner it's so beautiful Mm. and and the plot is so compelling that you just you keep whipping through the pages Mm. and you don't realize how much you're learning about the experiences of these women and and how they each have to sort of choose the part of themselves that they're going to save. So are they going to save their body or their marriage or their child or oh, their future that. or their soul? And some, <laughs> you know, and some of them make a choice that you just are so frustrated by and you're like, mm-hmm. how can she act that mm-hmm. way? But the way that Elizabeth Wetmore describes the culture of this place and the landscape, when you were talking about the landscape mm-hmm. and A Thousand Splendid Suns, it's so much a part of the book that it's almost another character, mm-hmm. West mm-hmm. Texas, which Split. is a place I've never yes. been, but it's a very particular landscape in the United States. And the culture is just s- sort of both suffocating and expansive. It's like brutal and beautiful. It's raw and also phony. At You know, everything about the way these women are, are living their lives Um <laughs> is just it's so inspiring within these really narrow parameters so it's a beautiful 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 book one of the best wow. books i've ever read whoa. whoa bang on the nose look at that three minutes <laughs> such a pro whoa you did well <laughs> i reckon she planned it all <laughs> oh i don't have any notes yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're all in my head <laughs> fantastic pitch wow um I love the sound of that as well. Um, Right, have a rest now. Breathe. Thank you. Abby, if I could just turn to you to talk about A Thousand Splendid Sons a little Mm -hmm. bit more, a book which I have read quite a while ago now. It is old But I do remember finishing it and just being like, whoa, what happened there? I know, I know. And I love that you said and you you pointed out that, you know, it it doesn't preach. It's not a Mm -hmm. book that preaches and Mm -hmm. yet you you learn so much of the history. Um, And then it opened your eyes to another culture. And I Mm -hmm. love the fact it resonated with your writing and in some ways was inspiring to you. Absolutely. And yeah, a real sense of place. uh, Like you say, it's uh, thinking about it now. It's funny. It was a long time ago, but I I remember it. I know. Yeah, it's one of those books that stays with you for a very long time. That's really 
a sign of a really great book, especially if you haven't reread it or anything, yes, just yes. remembering the beauty yes. in the pages. Um, and wow, I mean, this is this book isn't even out yet, and I you know. are you are really preaching it. I, I love how you said. I love it so much, you know, I, I'm actually overwhelmed when I come to speak about it and I can't articulate all the time because that happens to me. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I've been on tour over the, the last several months, really, in the United States, meeting with a lot of booksellers and librarians. And the question comes up repeatedly, what have you been reading? What's good? What's coming up? And I always say this book. And then inevitably, they're like, what do you like about it? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> everything, just read it. You know? but, but you did very well in those three minutes there to, to convince us oh, as well to te- to, and to tell us why you loved it. Because yeah, I mean, you, you this revolving cast of characters and the fact that it's 1960s West Texas, I mean, that's... Yeah. That is tough. It's it is so tough, and it's tough in ways that I didn't, I never understood. And it makes me grateful to the the women who came before because yeah. I have the life that I have, and I have the the problems, the quote problems in my life, which you know the balance is still unfair. But yeah. we have come so far, and yes. when I when we hearken back to these stories of what women went through just a generation before us. I am just so tremendously grateful for the progress that we've made, and I want to continue it on for the next generation. Mm-hmm. I want my daughters to have an even better experience. Mm-hmm. I want them to look back at, at our generation and go, oh, my God, what do you mean they that didn't make the same money as a man? so important. You know? Especially for me, who's obviously Nigerian, we still have that now. Yeah. Yeah. And I was saying, speaking to my mom the other day, my husband was at Tesco shopping, and I said to my mom, oh, he's on the other line. He's at Tesco shopping. And she's like, he's shopping? You should really say thank you? I'm like, why? Like, well, I can say thank you, but she's like, I mean, you. It's rare for, for for your husband to be doing the shopping. I'm like, oh my gosh, that is. And she's seventy, so and bless her, and she's mm. like a blazing trailer in terms of her career and yeah. stuff. But she still has this mentality that you know the man should I think be. We sitting all carry front of remnants of that. We don't, I don't still we? do. I you know, I mean, I'm married to an Irishman, and yeah. he's really progressive and wonderful and a great partner. Um, but to be sure, there are some gender roles in our marriage that I did not expect yes, and still traditional, slightly resentful yes, of <laughs> now and again. Um, but, you know, it, it works for us and I'm very happy. And it, the thing is that I have the choice about those gender roles ultimately. And, yeah. I, and I want to make sure that my daughters and the generations to come have even more choices mm-hmm. and more freedom. And this book, Valentine, is the sort of book that can, it feels like a blueprint for the future by showing... Um, it was like yeah like a map of the yeah. past in a way that's so subversive and mm. so detailed and so so good you know it's just so good <laughs> it's just so good <laughs> so amazing because just just staying on that point for a moment about you know how where we are at mm, at yeah. the moment um because there's so, there's so many simple things that that are still happening in our societies, in our language and things that, you know, just hark back to those older gender roles. Mm-hmm. Like I noticed the other day there was an, a screening at a cinema in London and it was called a mother and baby screening. Okay. And I thought, mm-hmm. well, it, surely it's a parent and baby yeah. screening, right? Yes. Because what? why would it be yes. the mother? Yeah. And another thing I only found out... And that's out, so subtle because you don't think about that. You don't think about that's that. That's the thing. Yeah. And then if you point it out, people like roll their eyes yeah. at you. They're like, all right, yeah. we get it. You I know. know. But I'm it's like, such a simple... Ch- yeah. It's just it's, such a simple language. And it's change. everywhere. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's pervasive. And it's a thing that like, unless you really make a note of it and make a point of noticing, mm-hmm. it just washes over you. I know. And in the same way we were talking earlier about how 
when you do research, you don't really regurgitate the research. It just kind of naturally um, yes, filters through absolutely. you. It's the same yes. with like yes. misogyny, yes. you know, and patriarchy that yeah. like mm-hmm. you don't necessarily notice it or regurgitate it but if you live inside of it it is so frustrating yeah. to be sure it how it begins to define you I in know. some ways yeah. i'm having to re-educate a lot of older women as well like my mom who yeah. is again very progressive in career and stuff but in simple things like household chores yeah it's just you know she doesn't get it it is <laughs> it's sometimes quite hard to read a book like you know a pre-feminism book like you're talking about mm-hmm. Valentine, uh, just in terms of going, oh my god, you know, like this is this is how it was, and and feeling that even now we haven't we haven't exactly reached mm-hmm. where we should be, but mm-hmm. you know that was just oh, that was only yeah. fifty years and, ago, and, and I have like, to say, god. I think there are many, many, many communities in the United States that even that are that still right? like oh this, and and to be sure, all over the world, yeah. But even in the U.S., you know, there are lots of communities rural communities where the choices for women are still very, very restricted. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The well, escape routes as well. Sorry. That's all right. <laughs> well, I absolutely love both of those pictures and I have read, as I said, A Thousand Splendid Sons. I haven't read Valentine's. It's not even out yet. I so I haven't read that one, but I'm desperate to now. Um, and I've got, to, I've got to choose one to take home. Listeners will be, you know, probably thinking, God, I want to read both of those again if I haven't already read A Thousand Splendid Sons. I think just for the sheer fact of its of the passion from the description of it i'm going to take valentine Ooh. yay because Victory also don't, don't you think abby it's fair in the sense that this is I, new this I, is a I new book i want to read it as well to be fair so. we should give this <laughs> yes. a give this a platform i think so um, because if anyone hasn't read a thousand splendid sons yes. you know you should also read that as Absolutely. well but i think we should look forward to valentine being published in april yes so we're, <laughs> we're choosing a book that doesn't even it's not even out in the yes. world yet uh, but we will look out for it and that is by elizabeth wetmore yes great um well, thank you so much for those choices and thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure. American Dirt by Janine Cummins is published by Tinder Press and is available now. And The Girl with the Louding Voice by Abby Dare is published by Scepter on the 5th of March. And you can pre-order your copy now or go into a bookshop like it. the good old days yes. and get it then. <laughs> um, Abby, Janine, it's been an absolute pleasure Same sitting here. here talking to you. Um, best of luck with really both books. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you so thank much. Lovely to meet you. Thank, thank you, you so so much. Thanks. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.